Amen. Take a seat. Just want to move that a little bit to the left there, please, Bretto. Cheers. Thank you. Uh, well, it wouldn't um, be right if I didn't give thanks uh, while we're giving thanks. And um, I, I want to, I was just, the Lord was just prompting me just now as we're worshipping to give thanks to every person who leads us in worship every Sunday. Um, it's not an, it hasn't been an easy year. <laughs> hold him, hold you, just, you'll have your moment. Coming out of COVID, where everything was just, you know, as we know, um, was hard. Um, and coming out of COVID has also been hard when it comes to a lot of things in church, uh, for people, uh, availability and people being well or not well, and the unpredictability of life and all of the rest of it. And that is uh, particularly true for those who lead us in worship um, week in, week out. And it's been a very spontaneous, um, difficult year to roster um, and we've been a bit thin on resources um, in our worship team. However, um, what I love about our worship team, what I love about our, the way that we worship God, it isn't dependent on what is on this stage. There is a, a heart for worshipping Jesus that has been part of the DNA of this church for generations and generations and generations. And worshipping the name of Jesus, whether there's just an acoustic, a bass and a singer, or what, whether we've got the Kingsway big band going on, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter uh, uh, one iota uh, what is happening up here. Um, there is an incredible work that is happening in here in the church. And that is led by an incredible team of people who faithfully lead us in worship. I personally can think of moments this year where I have stood in times of worship and God has spoken to me so clearly. Moments where I have shed tears in worship knowing the love of God in my life. Moments where in those spaces where I have felt like giving up but God has, has just reminded me, Dave, Dave, keep going. You know, I'm not sure what story you could tell of how you've met God in our times of worship, but I am grateful this morning for all of the people in our community who lead us in worship every week. Now you can give them a round of applause. <laughs> Never underestimate, I think, the small things. When we bring our, our small thing, our gift, um, the, the, the talent that we have and bring it uh, to God, and we just bring it humbly before Him, and you know He's got this really bizarro way of multiplying that thing. You think I'm just bringing my voice? No, you're bringing healing. You think you're just bringing being able to pluck a few guitar strings, but you're bringing freedom. You think that you're just bringing the ability to whack some drums, but you're bringing spiritual warfare in the church and defeating some stuff. You know, God multiplies what you bring in the small things and turns it into something amazing for His glory in His kingdom. Got it? Keep bringing your small things, would you? Very good. I'm going to read to you from 2 Kings as we uh, look at giving thanks for the future. Um, we're going to talk about loss. <laughs> Why'd I get out of bed for this? Hopefully it'll be worth it. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. This story is awesome, by the way. I hadn't read it until about three months ago. I don't know how it skipped, how I managed to skip it or just not read it. Um, but are you ready? It's a good story. Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, 
See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan and each of us get there a log. And let us make a place for us to dwell there. These guys just wanted a bigger house. You know, I don't know whether they were in tents or in swags or sleeping under the shade of a tree. But nonetheless, where they were was not what they wanted. And so they approached Elisha and said, hey, can we build something bigger? And he's like, yeah, sure. Why not? Have a crack. And he answered them, go. And then one of them returned back to him, return serve, and says, well, be pleased to go with your servants. And Elisha answered, I will go. And so he went with them. Elisha went with these men to the Jordan. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water. And he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Who's ever lost something that you borrowed from somebody? Ugh, awkward. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, Elisha cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, Take it up. So he reached out his hand and he took it. This morning I want us to see that God helps us find what we never meant to lose. I want us to see this morning that God is really good at restoring things that have slipped away from us. That God is in the business of restoring to us things which have been taken away often at times by no fault or doing of our own. But let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that there are stories like this that are just mind-boggling. Uh, but Father, we thank you that in the mind-bogglingness of them, there is incredible truth that you reveal to us about your character, about our lives, about our place in the world, about how we experience the world, about the promise that you have for the future. And Lord, I pray this morning as we um, speak around this floating axe head, Father, that you would renew within us hope for what is to come, that you would remind us that placing our faith in you leads to miraculous things. And Father, that we would have faith this morning to trust you at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of weeks ago, I was with a mate and he gave me um, a $50 bill uh, to, to sort out a split bill kind of situation. And when you come across a $50 bill in life, you know that you hang on to them. They're as rare as hen's teeth. And as he gave me the $50 bill, in fact, I was wearing uh, these pants and I don't carry a wallet anymore because phones. And as he gave me the $50 bill, I'm thinking to myself, one, where am I going to put it? And two, I'm going to lose it for sure. Anyway, the night carried on. We're at Foz and Shell's place, actually having a barbecue on their front lawn. Beautiful afternoon. But I had this underlying anxiety going on all night long as I'm going to lose the 50. And I kept slipping my hand in there and checking. And yeah, she was all right, you know, coming along with me for the journey. Was, all things were um, going pretty well for uh, 50 in pocket. Um, and uh, I got home. And as you do, you rifle through your pockets looking for all of the paraphernalia 
that could possibly your mum would rouse on you. Remember this? Who put the coin in the thing? And it's rat- rattling around all the rest of it. So I've got home and I've, I've done the, um, right, where's that 50? Oh, no. You're kidding. I've lost, I've lost, I've lost the 50. If you ever, <laughs> my first thought was, that was my mate's 50. Imagine if I ring him now and just say, hey, bro, I've lost your 50. But it was actually mine, but I still had that kind of weird, I've, I've, lost, I've lost my mate's 50 bucks. And then I got past that. I went, no, nah, well, he actually gave it to me and it was rightfully mine anyway, so don't worry about him. But I felt gross. I felt like, you know that feeling of when you lose something really important or valuable, like your keys uh, or your phone? Uh, or or, or who, you've lost a car in the car park at Westfield and you walk out and your heart sinks to the depths of your and you're like, where is it? How am I going to explain that I've lost this thing? Or perhaps, you know, when you're a kid, you lost something of your parents, your, your dad's favourite tool, and you're like, yeah, how am I going to explain to dad that I've lost his thing? Oh, and you just get that ickiness, that feeling inside of just gross lostness when you've lost something valuable. And undoubtedly, this is what our friend in the story was feeling and experiencing. You know, he'd set out with all of his mates, axe in hand, toward the Jordan. This is Foz's axe, by the way. It's a real man axe. Anyone want to take photos? (laughs) <laughs> and away they went and they get to the Jordan and they you know, size up all of the, the hardwood logs that they just think this is going to look premium in the house you know, and they just pick one each and they set to it and away they go chop, chop, chop I mean I've been to Fiji with guys doing some building projects and the banter in those moments is thick. You know, the camaraderie that happens when you're with another group of, of men in this situation where you're, 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 you're getting calluses on your hands together and you're building something together and you're dreaming about the end result. I can only think that old mate, is, as he's cutting this log down, he's, he's visualising the deck he's going to build with this timber. I mean, Davey knows what I'm talking about. He'd look, he'd look at a piece of timber and go, oh, how beautiful. This thing is going to, like, mantelpiece kind of stuff. This is just gorgeous. How's the grain on this thing? And he's just, they're so absorbed in this incredible mission of building a house together. He's chipping away. Chip, chop, chip, chop, chip, chop. All of a sudden, he takes his next backswing. I'm not even going to attempt to do it one-handed. It's a seven and a half kilo axe, by the way. Um, that's a, that thing's enormous. It's, we call it the death axe, don't we, Foz? There's not one piece of timber that has, this thing has not been able to split yet. Uh, it's quite magical, actually. Anyway, he takes an almighty backswing. And all of a sudden, whoosh, he looks back over his shoulder and he just sees sailing off into the distance, his axe head. And he looks at his handle and he thinks to himself, what on earth am I going to do now? 
I have lost my axe head. I mean, I, 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 can, I can just only imagine the feeling that this guy would have had in that moment. I mean, we know it was borrowed, right? He's got that I've lost my mate's 50 feeling going on. How am I going to explain this? You know, I, I can only imagine, you know, his feeling in the midst of that of how he's let the team down. You know, this was something we were in together. And here I am, the idiot that let the axe head fly away. I mean, I, I should have done better. If only I had of. You know, this, this was the resource that was in his hand for the mission that he was on. And it was gone. He lost the very thing that was in his hand to do the very thing that was in his heart to do. And it was gone. I mean, this was a place of importance that they were building. It was a home that he was building. This was somewhere where they were going to live and make memories. And, you know, probably their families would reside and... And now it's gone. I've lost my axe head. You know, I can picture him sitting down on a rock nearby with his head in his hands, thinking about what he's lost. You know, I don't know about you, but I've never tried chopping a tree down with a handle before. You know, I don't think he even tried, but you know, sometimes I think we do. You know, sometimes we lose things in our life that we didn't mean to lose. Sometimes we lose our energy. We didn't mean to lose it, but I'm a parent of four kids and I lost my energy. Sometimes we don't mean to lose our joy, but sometimes we do. You know, sometimes we don't mean to lose that valuable relationship, but somehow it <laughs> slipped off and fell through the air. You know, we don't mean to lose our fervor for Jesus and his kingdom, but sometimes life just happens and busyness is a thing and distraction happens and all of that and, you know, it can feel like we're going through life wielding a handle and not an axe. And that sucks because I can only imagine trying to chop a chi down with a handle is tiring and it's despairing and it's depressing and it's just flat out hard work. You know, sometimes in, in my life, you know, in my parenting, it feels like the axe head has flown off feels like that sometimes just I've made a bad parenting call or I've responded in a way I shouldn't or I failed to respond at all and it feels like not just I've gone blunt in my parenting but the whole axe head is sinking to the bottom of the river never to be regained. I can feel like I'm just chipping away at trying to build family and I haven't got my axe head. You know, sometimes leading in a church context, an environment like this, it can, it can just feel like the axe head has flown off. 
can feel like the thing that was effective before is no longer even there. It's not even in the picture anymore. And church looks different now than what it used to. And sometimes it feels to me like I'm wielding a handle without an axe head. And that can be draining. That can be tiring. That can be confusing. It can be lonely. You know, I wonder what your loss is. You know, I've experienced it. I, experience, I still experience the loss of the thing that I feel God placed in my hand to do what is within my heart to do. The feeling of God has called me to this and somewhere along the way, as I've been chipping away at my parenting, as I've been chipping away in my leadership, as I'm chipping away in pastoring, as I'm chipping away in all of life, all of a sudden take a backswing and whooshka. My effectiveness, my resource, the very thing that God called me to use is gone. And that's hard. That's really hard. I mean, I wonder what your loss is. What do you feel like has gone missing? What do you feel like as you have been working away for Jesus, chipping away, chipping away, all of a sudden, the tool is not what it was anymore. You're left with a stick and not an axe. Sometimes I think about it personally. You know, what's my personal loss in life? I think about church as well. You know, what has the church lost over the, over the last decades, over the generations, over the COVID season? You know, has the church lost its place that it used to have? Yes, it has. That's a resounding yes. The church does not have its place in culture and society and everything anymore. Have we lost our permission to speak? Yeah. To some degree, we have. I mean, we can earn it, but it's lost. I mean, have we, have we lost focus of the things that matter most to Jesus? You know, have we, has church over all of the years become so enamored of the celebrity pastor and so enamored and just wooed and in love with their buildings? You know, have we made idols out of things that we ought to never have made an idol out of? I mean, what have we lost in that? You know, have we lost our fervency for sharing the good news of Jesus with people in our lives who don't know him? You know, have we lost the margin to love people in our community through the busyness even of church life itself? I mean, I wonder what we've lost as a church. Is where we're at now the result of having lost focus on bringing up young children and young people and discipling them in the ways of the Lord? And thank Jesus, we're seeing such incredible things happen in our youth ministry, in our kids' ministry now. But is where the church is globally right now at a loss because we've neglected our kids? Perhaps. What's been lost in the church? I mean, what do you sense? What do you sense has been lost? You know, we all experience loss in various ways. I mean, as a community, we've experienced loss of people this year, of family members this year, and that is really hard. 
You know, if perhaps, you know, you, as I was sharing, you maybe feel like a sense of loss personally in your parenting or in your work or feeling loss in your mind. You know, you had this, you know, it, things were well, but then they weren't. And there's loss there. And perhaps there's been loss in business or loss at work or loss at school or loss. We all experience loss personally and we also experience loss corporately. It's things sink to the bottom of the river and we just think, man, it's gone. I mean, how could I possibly retrieve a seven and a half kilo axe from the bottom of the river? Because that's how it feels, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but if I went through this into Botany Bay just over the back here, there's not a chance in God's good earth that I could get it back for you by throwing a stick into the water. Or maybe I'm just doubting. Maybe that's the problem. You know, axes don't float. They don't. A seven and a half kilo axe does not float. Throw this in the water, it does not float. I mean, what's the thing that is so far gone that you just think, man, God could never bring that back? What's the thing in your life that you think that loss is so big, it is so considerable, that it is like this being thrown to the depths of the sea and just hoping that it might come back? You know, what I love about this story is Elisha. Now, Elisha agreed to go with these. In fact, it pleased Elisha to go with them on this log-felling journey. And as old mate's axe head flew through the air and went bloink, because that's the noise something makes when it goes into the water, bloink, there was nothing left but a bubble trail indicating its whereabouts. And as soon as they settled, it was all but gone. You know, if that was my axe, or if, if I lost, I'm just imagining, if I lost Foz's axe, he'd probably sit on me, at best. You know, if one of my kids lost my favourite tool, I'd probably be pretty irate. <laughs> I'm being honest. I would probably get pretty upset. But Elisha doesn't. Elisha does not berate this man. He does not say, you idiot! Why did you lose the axe head? You fool! You should have taken better care of it. Why didn't you check that the wedge was in before you started swinging? Why didn't you maintain it? Why didn't you look up? It's not even yours. For goodness sake, it's gone. What are you going to do about it now? Are you going to go and buy a new one? The shop's 5,000 miles away. No, you're not, are you? I mean, I'm thinking about my response. You know, you maybe get an insight into what happens in my household. <clears throat> Please don't judge me. You know, Elisha doesn't berate this young man for losing that which he never meant to lose. He doesn't shame him and say, you fool, you idiot, if only I had done better. Because I can imagine that this, this guy was also feeling that small feeling that we also get called, well, it's not a feeling, but just a reality of comparison. You know, he'd probably be looking around at all the other guys still swinging their axes, still doing their thing, still kicking goals, still making headway. 
still going about their thing. And I wonder, you know, how often you look at Instagram or Facebook and you're seeing other families doing their thing, thinking, man, I suck. Look at them. They're awesome. And I wonder how often you drive past another church and you think, oh, I bet they're going better than ours. (laughs) Maybe they are. I don't care. If they are and you want to go, they're fine. (laughs) There's the door. (laughs) No, please don't. I love you all way too much. That was a real joke. But I just wonder, you know, he's just he's feeling like he's let the team down and he's feeling this loss and he's feeling gross and icky and all the rest of it. And Elisha just sides up next to him and says, Hey, mate, where did it go? And, Elisha, and the young man would look at him and go, Really? You're not upset with me? No. Just show me where it went. So he stands to his feet and... You know, maybe there's a sense of hope within this guy that maybe the axe head can come back, but far out, that's a big ask. That takes faith. And he stands and he he says, it went in over there. And Elisha's right. All right. No biggie. I'll just get a stick. And he walks over to a tree and he breaks off a stick. And this young guy's thinking, what the heck is going on here? And Elisha throws the stick in the water. And he's waiting. And this young guy's looking at the stick thinking, I hope this guy's got more faith than I do because I know how heavy that flipping axe was. It's not coming back. Another moment or two passes and he's still curious. Is it going to happen or is it not? And all of a sudden, there's movement in the water. And up comes from the bottom of the Jordan River, out of the silt, out of the mud, out of all of the muck of the river, an iron axe head floats to the surface. And Elisha, I could probably, I reckon he had a grin on his face from ear to ear just at how, how he knew that would make this guy feel. And Elisha just would have looked at him and gone, there you go, mate. Just reach out your hand and grab it. And so he does. He reaches out his hand. Maybe he had to wade, I don't know, out into the water and he grabbed a swimming axe head and he brought it back and he would have put it back on the end of the handle and he would have been able to start chopping again. See, God is really good at restoring things that we never meant to lose. And perhaps it is joy that you've lost. Perhaps it is hope that you've lost. Perhaps it is this unrelenting faith that God is good and he is with you that you have lost. Perhaps you do look at the church and think, man, if only it was like, or man, the good old days. If church was just like them, the glory, the glory days, you know, when it was like, I don't know, whatever it was like, the glory days. You know, maybe you've lost that, maybe... 
I don't know what it is, but we all, we all have loss. I've got loss now. You've got loss now. But God is really, 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 really good at restoring to you the things that you never meant to lose. And so there's a couple of things in this for us. You know, I believe that Holy Spirit wants to minister to us in our loss this morning because we know that loss is not the end. We know that renewal, we know that restoration, we know that a, a bringing back from dead is what the gospel is all about. You know, Jesus was the axe head. He was gone, sunk, buried, gone, never to come back. Yeah, sure, death had its way with him. There is no chance on God's good earth that he's getting out of that grave. But you know what? He did. You know, Jesus speaks of it time and time again. Unless the seed dies, falls to the ground and it dies, it will not give life again. And when it does, it will go in abundance, a harvest a thousandfold. And so we know that loss is not the end of the story, but a restoration of life is. A renewal of what God is doing is. A, a new beginning is. The coming of heaven in a way that we have never seen before is. That is what is coming. Do we have faith to believe that the axe head will float again? Do we have faith to believe that the loss that we have experienced, that the goodness of God, as He stands next to us, not berating us for our loss, not shaming us for our loss, not judging us for our loss, but as He sides up next to us and He says to us, where did you lose it? Where did you lose it? And in His goodness and in His grace and in His power over death, I don't know what He's going to throw in the water right now of your life, but I know that the God of restoration will return to you the very thing that you never meant to lose. Maybe you didn't mean to lose your sleep. I'm believing God's going to restore your sleep. Maybe you didn't mean to lose your health. And I believe that by the power of Jesus and His resurrection, He can restore to you your health. You know, I didn't get the 50 back, just letting you know. But maybe today's my day. <laughs> But what, what did God do in that? It was a real thing. I'm like, I just, I had this anxiety around losing the 50. God restored my peace. He's like, God, he's like, Dave, you know what? How about you just think about it like this? Whoever finds it needed it more than you did. I went, good point, God. And he restored, he didn't restore my 50. He restored my peace. You know, God might not restore the thing that you lost, but he will do a work of renewal in your heart. You know, our friend Baz, who passed away the other week, he, Baz isn't coming back, guys. We'll see him in heaven again one day, and that is going to be a riot. He's going to have so many stories to tell. It's going to be a wonderful time, all the rest of it. You know, God's not going to just bring him back, but, you know, he'll, he'll bring back memory. He'll bring back love. He'll bring back the grace. He'll bring back the story. He'll bring back the peace and the hope, knowing that eternity is wonderful and eternity is real. That God might not restore the very thing that was taken, but he will restore something within you. And so as we take communion this morning, I want us to be thinking about this. What is that God is restoring among us that you're never meant to lose? What is God restoring in the church that we're never meant to lose? Because he restores. He is a God of restoration. 
There's a couple of things I believe God is going to restore, and it's a restoration of purpose this morning. Now, perhaps you feel like that's gone missing, that the axe head of purpose in your life has gone, what am I doing with my time? What am I doing with what I've got? What am I, I just feel like I'm just plugging away, doing the thing day in and day out, and it's kind of a little bit directionless and a little bit, I'm not sure where this is going kind of feeling. Now, I believe that God wants to restore the axe head of purpose in your life, that by His Spirit there be an impartation this morning of a deep knowing of why God has placed your feet and given on this earth and given air in your lungs to breathe and given you a heart that beats. Now, God wants to restore that this morning. Now, the joy of your salvation, as the Word says, I believe God wants to re- restore to you the joy of your salvation, the deep knowing, the completed work of Christ in your life, what He has done for you, what He still does for you, the way that He loved you, loves you, and will keep loving you, and the joy that ought to uh, 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 just come from within. And God wants to restore joy of our salvation. He wants to restore peace of mind. And if you're like me, the mind races really hard and fast, sometimes at 2.30 in the morning. And that sucks. (laughs) Who's had that one? Wake up, 2, 3 in the morning, and the mind just starts going, ding, 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 got to do this, got to do that, should have done this, should have done that, got to do this this week, got to do that this week. Oh, but I'm a... you know, the, the racing mind, there's no peace. God wants to restore, because you didn't mean to lose your peace. Just as you've been chipping away at parenting and work and life, all of a sudden your peace has sunk to the bottom. God wants to restore your peace this morning. And thirdly, a sense of vision. And I believe this for the church. This is kind of a, a bit of a corporate thing. I believe that there's a restoration of vision of what God is doing among us and where he's taking us and the journey that he's got us on with the people that he's got with us right now and just a a, a renewed sense of why we are here together doing what we do in the community that we are a part of, with the resources that we have, with the kids that we've got, the young people we've got, the talent we've got, all of the things that we've got at our disposal. God wants to restore vision for his kingdom mission among us a restoration of purpose, 